You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Here's Carlos and Jennifer Maestas. Getting divorced sucked bad. It was so, so, so hard for me. And today our talk is actually about remarriage and about how Carlos and I came to be married to each other because there was a time when we were married to other people. But we can't get to the remarriage part without talking about the marriages that didn't work out before he and I met. And some people might tell you that getting a divorce for them was this simple, civil decision, a mutual understanding between really responsible adults that they reached so that everybody's dignity and sanity was preserved. Or maybe it was a plan that they put in place to prevent future heartache or future arguing. But I am not that person. Divorce was not an option in any of my plans. And I, I am a planner like a serious, serious planner. Some of my favorite words are calendar and schedule and goals. And my favorite time of the year is late summer when all the school supplies come out and go on sale because I love buying sticky notes and highlighters and color coding my day timer. And I, I actually have a collection of all of my calendars from over the years. I, I, I know. It's, it's gross. <laughs> but I liked having them to look back on so I can see the things that I've accomplished, even if it's just little simple to-do lists from day to day, because that's the way I am. So you can imagine all the plans that I had for my life when I was 20. Finish college, get married, buy a house, be the best that I could be at a job that I loved, and then I had this plan for making sure that my plan was going to go the way I planned it. My plan was to just follow everybody's rules. My mom and dad's rules, my university's rules, God's rules, and especially God's rules. So I went to church. That was easy. Don't murder. Check. Don't lie. Follow the Ten Commandments. In my mind, if I did all the things that I was supposed to do, then all the good things were going to come back to me because I had paid into the system. I went to church to be a good person. I got married and I bought a house because I was in love and that's what people do. I went to college so I could make money and I stayed out of debt. I graduated from college with no student loans. It was perfect. And then my perfect plan epically failed and my marriage died. And I think that maybe my plan helped kill it. My plan required the same level of commitment to this idea of perfect living from my husband. And he, it turned out he wasn't as committed to my plan as I was. Uh, he wanted to live his life on his terms and his time. And we had monumental battles over this. And so when he decided to make an exit from my plan, it really messed me up. And I got scared. And I wondered what all my friends and my family was going to think. I was scared that they were going to think that I was a failure. And then I got mad. I got mad because I didn't think that I deserved what was happening to me. And I was really desperate to be okay again. So what is it like when you follow all the rules and it still goes bad? Well, I have no idea, because unlike Jen, I broke all the rules, and so I had comfort in knowing I probably deserved all the pain and misery that I was going through. That's not entirely true. There wasn't much comfort, not for a while anyway, 
I was bitter, I was broken, I was angry, and I was defeated. And although I made many mistakes during that time, there are a few things that looking back, I can identify that I did that just perhaps saved me. And so I want to share a few of those things with you today. One of the things that I did was I found a tribe. Now, my tribe during that season was my family. I leaned a lot on my family. See, I was a single dad, and so I needed that help. And it helped a lot to just be around people that I loved and who loved me. I didn't have to necessarily talk about all the things that I was going through at that time, but just being around that support system really helped. And so I would encourage you that if you're going through something right now, spend time with your family. Now, if your family is not here, or if your family are just terrible people, (laughs) then I would encourage you to find a tribe of believers, of godly people who have you and your best interests at heart. The next thing that I did is I found an outlet. Now, for me, one of my outlets was doing stand-up comedy. I always wanted to do stand-up. I had some friends who were comedians. And so I got some advice early on on what I should do when I wanted to write uh, stand-up comedy material. One of my friends said, Carlos, what you need to do is you need to write about yourself. You need to write about what you're going through because no matter what, if you write about yourself, it'll always be unique to you and it'll always be authentic. But see, what I happened to be going through at that time was just a very horrible divorce. So how was I going to make that funny? Well, I tried. And so I'll share a couple examples of, uh, of what I did with you today. So I was able to actually go up on stage, make people laugh. And in time, what it did is it actually helped me deal with what I was going through. So here's an example. Free show, okay? You're the one o'clock show, one thirty show. So I recently went through a divorce. I wanted to work things out, but her boyfriend wasn't willing to compromise. I was like, let me see her on Wednesdays and every other weekend. Give me a month during the summer, you know, trying to negotiate. And so another thing I hated about being divorced is that I was a single dad. And any single dad will tell you that if your kid doesn't get what they want, automatically they start crying for their mom. And so one day it happened. He was crying for his mom. And I had to tell him, son, I'm sorry, but mommy doesn't live here anymore. He was like, why, daddy? I was like, well... Mommy and Daddy stood up in front of a room full of all our friends and family, and Mommy vowed to be with Daddy before God till death do us part. But see, Daddy's still alive, honey, and Mommy lied to God. (laughs) It always feels good to say that. I don't care what you say. It's very therapeutic. (laughs) And so my outlet was stand-up comedy. Now, I realize that that's not necessarily going to be your outlet. But if you're going through a divorce, you're going through something difficult, and you find yourself with a lot of time on your hands, I would encourage you to do something positive with that time. Maybe you've always wanted to get in shape, and you want to train for a 5K or a half marathon. Maybe you want to take a cooking class or go back to school. Jennifer and I actually talked about this, and our broken marriages actually resulted in two master's degrees. Yeah. And not just a master's degree in bad decisions, like, like a real master's degree. And so every time I see her ex-husband, I'm like, hey, man, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's made my life way better. You've, you've increased our income significantly. Thank you. He doesn't like it. So <laughs> the next thing that I did, guys, and I, I hope that you have already done this, and that's 
find a church. Guys, this place totally saved me, okay? And I truly believe that when we are broken, God will put people in our lives that will speak into us to let us know that we can be loved and that we can love again. And that no matter what we've been through, that he can restore us as long as we put our trust in him. And so I believe what is uh, said in Jeremiah 29, 11, and that is, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and plans not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, I grew up in church and my dad was a pastor, so my tribe always included a mega amount of church people and lots of you in this room. I grew up in Sunday school and vacation Bible school and later on in a really active youth group. And I actually, I was part of a small group here at church um, when I was going through all of this. And I had a lot of questions for my church tribe. I started to wonder if maybe I had had the wrong plan all along. And that idea, it killed me. I thought that I had been created for one single person, for a soulmate one perfect other half that was going to make me whole. One specific person that God had created just for me and who would he, he would make love me. And thinking that I was wrong about this, that generated a lot of really strong words, much stronger than, oh, crap. But Carlos wouldn't let me put them into the talk today. Sorry. I really, really struggled with this idea until I had dinner with my friend Cheeky, who was also one of my former youth pastors, and she helped me see things differently. She told me to think about it like GPS. If I got into my car and I put in a destination and Siri told me the most direct route to get there, and she said turn left and I turned right, accidentally or on purpose, was Siri just going to say, hey, Jen, you really messed up. Turn your car off. Stop what you're doing. You're never going to get where you're going. You should have listened to me. You're done. And I said, no, that's not what happens. Siri really politely says, rerouting. And then she adjusts to my mistake. And boom, I'm still going to get to where it was that I was going. And so Chiki said, Jen, if Siri can do that for you, how much more can God do for you? How human of me was it to think that God's plan was just a person? What if his plan, his final destination for me, was a healthy spiritual connection to a person that I chose and who would choose me? What if I let God reroute me the way that Siri did? I trusted Siri. Could I trust God? I know my memory verses like the back of my hand. Even though I learned them a long time ago in vacation Bible school, they come to me when I need them because they're written on my heart. And this one really got to me after I talked to Cheeky. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. God's my Siri, and if I let him, he will make my path straight, straight to the place where he wants me to be. And I meditated on that, and that's our big idea today. Trust in the Lord, and he will make your path straight. Well, I didn't have a cheeky, um, but I, I do think you should have a cheeky. If you can, <laughs> I totally recommend it. 
I, I want to meet a cheeky one day. But I did have an epiphany, and it came after time, after time coming to church, after a lot of prayer and introspection. And um, what, it, what it was is that I needed to stop looking outward to change my situation. I needed to stop trying to make my ex-wife different. And I needed to focus on what I could control, myself, my own behavior. And so the first thing that I realized that I could do is forgive. Forgive her and forgive myself. And so what does that mean? That means no more angry phone calls, no more angry emails, no more angry texts, no more putting my happiness in her hands and trying to change her and respond the way that I felt that she should respond. I needed to trust God and accept that maybe, just maybe, this person wasn't going to be in my life anymore, at least not in the way that I one time wanted her to be. And that's when things really started to get different. I even went as far as asking her for forgiveness. And so I know that no matter who's hurt you, it's hard to forgive. It's really hard to forgive. And if you're right in the middle of going through a divorce right now, one thing I think it's important to mention is if you have kids, don't put them in the middle. See, my parents were divorced when I was about five, and I know what it's like to be in the middle and so I decided way early on, I would never put him in the middle of anything that his mom and I were going through. I would never actually tell him, Mommy lied to God. So he's like 13 almost, and he's never seen my comedy act. And he won't until he becomes a little bit older, and he realizes for himself that Mommy lied to God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think it's important no matter your, whether your kids are 5 or 15 or 25, they're not your therapist, they're not your shoulder to cry on, and more importantly, they're not your best way to get back at an ex-spouse who hurt you. Guys, putting your kids in the middle will only lead to more pain for them and will only lead to them resenting you over time. Don't do it. So the next thing that I needed to do was I needed to move forward. There's a song um, that Maxwell, this artist, sang um, that really moved me. And so I'm going to sing it for you guys today. No, I'm not really going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Jen won't let me. But I will read the lyrics to you, at least a few of them. I was reborn when I was broken. I wouldn't believe. I wouldn't believe. I went through a storm. There's no use in hoping that you would come rescue me. I could let my life pass me by or I can get down and try. Work it all out this lifetime. And see, guys, I had no idea what my life was going to be like moving forward, but what I realized is that I needed to move forward. And see, that is our big idea again today, is not to trust in ourselves, but trust in God. Trust in the Lord, and he will make your path straight. Maybe what you're holding on to is not a divorce, Maybe your marriage is fine, but you're holding on to something that happened to you when you were very, very young, something very, very painful. Or maybe it's the loss of a job, the loss of a family member, or you're dealing with an addiction and you're stuck. No matter what it might be, you know what it is. And I want you guys to consider that maybe, just maybe, things one day 
could be different. And that maybe the plans that you've made for yourself are not as great as God's plans. See, it happens sometimes when we least expect it. For example, one day I got a call from Pastor Doug, and he said, Carlos, I need you to come downtown with a camera. We're going to do a church pub crawl. That's right, a church pub crawl. Only this church, right, would do a church pub crawl. And so I showed up with a camera. I met him in a downtown uh, parking garage, and I walked into the elevator, and Doug says, like he only could say, well, Carlos, have you met Jennifer? And then he just stood backwards, like he just walked backwards like three steps, which could not have been more obvious in an elevator, what he was trying to do, right? So I said hi, and little did I know that this person would be the beginning of a new beginning. Well, after Carlos and I started dating, um, it had been a little while, and he wanted some gesture or sign of commitment, and he would tease me, and he would say, you know you love me. And at first, I would laugh and be nervous about it, and every time he said it, I got a little bit more anxious because even though I did love him, I still felt like saying those words would somehow mean that I believed I had been wrong the whole time before. And it meant I'd be risking being hurt all over again. And so one night, he said it, and it actually made me really mad, and I asked him to leave. True story. (laughs) I was really frustrated that he thought I could just say I loved him. Um, And I thought about that over the next few days, but we didn't really talk about it again. And then I went to church, and I heard Pastor Brent tell a story about a stool. And he was using a stool as an analogy for putting your faith in practice. And what Brent said was that you could know a stool, and you could recognize a stool when you saw it, and you can understand its purpose and even its usefulness. And you could research the design of the stool or even pursue learning about the stool's maker. But you would never really exercise any faith in the stool until you sat down on it and rested. And that really, really got to me. Because I could almost feel God whispering to me that that's what was happening with Carlos. I did believe in falling in love. And I did believe in marriage. I thought I even had a new, enriched perspective on what might make love and marriage work better. But I wasn't exercising any faith because I wouldn't rest in my relationship with him. I really wasn't willing to trust it yet. And then there was that verse again, trust the Lord with all your heart, all of my heart, even the pieces that had been broken, and my heart was really broken. I struggled immensely with losing the person that I had made plans with, whom I loved. And I really wasn't sure I was willing to take that risk again, but I knew this. I knew that living by myself wasn't what God's best plan for my life was either. God was still trying to reset my GPS towards the best possible life, and I was still resisting it. And I didn't immediately give in to the I love you conversation, but I changed my approach and my attitude toward Carlos. I could have stayed casual because Carlos is really good company and he makes me laugh and he paid for my dinners. (laughs) I could have also played the I don't need a man card a little bit longer. But doing so would have been in direct conflict with that verse that was weighing on my mind. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. It didn't take me long to understand that the love that Jennifer and I shared, it was just different. See, we both saw things in each other that nobody else could. Maybe things that we didn't yet see for ourselves. And it came from a mutual understanding of two people who had lived parallel lives, who had both been completely broken, who at once, one time thought that it would never be different, to realizing that maybe it could, but still being willing to risk it all again. I knew that she was the one, and not just because she kept telling me that she was. <laughs> I had a piece about it. I knew that I wanted to ask her to marry me. The only question was how. How was I going to do it? So when she told me that story about Pastor Brent, I kept a mental note, and I knew that somehow I would incorporate that into how I would ask her to marry me. Well, one day, um, our friends Todd and Mary came to Jennifer's house uh, for dinner, and we were all sitting around this table and um, having a great time. One minute, everything's fine. The next minute, Todd leaned back in one of the chairs, and it, like, totally exploded. (laughs) Like, he went falling to the ground. We started busting out laughing because that's what you do with real friends before you ask if they're actually okay. (laughs) So we had a great laugh about it. But the thing about the chair is that it was a part of a set that was an antique that her grandfather had given her. And her grandfather, who she loved very deeply, was no longer around. So she grabbed the pieces, shed a couple tears, and put it back in the alley so that it could be picked up. Well, I decided to go pick up all these pieces and take it to a furniture restoration place. And when I asked her to marry me, I sat her in the chair. Because I knew, based off that story, that I was asking her to rest in the idea that she could trust me with her love. And see, the reason why the chair story is so important is because at one point in our lives, we were this chair, completely broken. And that's what I love about this place is every weekend, you have people who are real, who are not afraid to admit that they're broken and that they're hurting. But the good news is that we serve a God who sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be whole again. And that's what he does. He restores us from broken pieces. And that's what he can do for you if you're just willing to take a risk and trust him. No, I don't think, I really don't think that he thought that he would love again. He was freaking wrong. <laughs> and I remember one day we were sitting in church and we had this comedian come out and he was making everybody laugh and she was laughing and she turned to me and she said, why can't I meet a guy like that? And um, I said, don't worry, sweetie, someday you will. I know you will. She came home one time and she told us uh, that she had met a guy and it turns out it was the same guy the one that she pretty much asked God in church, why can't I meet him? And so I think he heard her. We love him and we love what they've become and um, everything, our new family, 
it's gotten bigger and greater and I couldn't ask for anything better. So this Friday, Carlos and I will celebrate four years of marriage. And a year ago, we added a sweet little angel named Elise to our blended family. And this past Easter, our boys decided to get baptized. And guess what? Carlos got to do that for them. And even though our story today wraps up really nicely, we're not perfect. You're not. Not even close. <laughs> we're, we're me- we mess up all the time. And we have arguments and our kids are feisty and they push our buttons sometimes, but we're healthy and it's not what it used to be and it isn't what we planned, but it's good. Through God's mercy and restoration, the whole family came to the boys at their baptism and that's a picture of us. The boys with all of their parents at church, together, enjoying the day and the beautiful choice that they were making. And I used to think that my story was just too hard and too sad to tell. It embarrassed me, and I was ashamed. But a quote from one of my favorite books says this. On the little girl's brown legs, there were many small white scars. And I was thinking, do these scars cover the whole of you like the stars and the moons on your dress? I thought that that would be pretty too, and I ask you right here to agree with me that a scar is never ugly. That's what the scar maker wants us to think. But you and I, we must make an agreement to defy them. We must see all scars as beauty, okay? This will be our secret, because take it from me, a scar does not form on the dying. A scar means I survived. And there's a scar maker in our story, and he he wanted me to think that my scar was ugly. The Bible says it plainly in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And maybe you have scars too. And if we're being honest, we all know that we do. So I want you to think for a second, what is that scar? And what does your scar maker want you to think about it? Does he want you to think that it's ugly? Well, if you have something in mind, I want you to take a step. I want you to do something. We're about to worship together. The band here is going to play another worship song. I want you to consider to stand up during worship, to acknowledge that you have scars, but acknowledge that it means that you survived and that there is a God that restored you to not be ashamed of it. See, our stories could have ended there. Stolen futures, killed marriages, destroyed hopes, but our God is faithful. And the rest of that verse that Jen started is, I have come only, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And see, we serve a God that wants all of you to live life to the full. And so, Maybe, just maybe, you have come here and you've never actually taken that step to begin a relationship with Christ. And maybe that is what's preventing you from living the life that God wants you to have. 
And so if that's you, I want you to close your eyes right now and we're all going to pray together. And if you're ready to make that step, if you're ready to make a commitment to accept Christ in your life, I want you to pray something just like this. Just make a space between you and him. It doesn't matter what you came in here with. It doesn't matter what you've been through. I want you to throw all that away and just make a space between you and God right now. And I want you to pray something like this if you're ready. God, I know I've sinned, but the best I know how, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins so that I could be restored. And God, I welcome you into my life and I thank you. I thank you for coming in and making me new again. And so maybe some of us, maybe some of us accepted Jesus Christ in our lives a long time ago and maybe we've believed for a long time, but, but at some point, at some point we just got off track. Maybe something happened that hurt us, that's messed up our perception of who God is, and we just need to be reminded that we shouldn't be ashamed of our scars, that they mean that we survive and that we can put our faith back in God and trust not in our own plan not lean on our own understanding, but lean on God's because maybe, just maybe, the God, the, the God that created everything has a plan that's greater than our plan. And so if that's you, I hope that whatever chains have existed may be broken. I pray that if you're struggling in your marriage right now, maybe God will bring you together and restore that marriage. God, I ask that you'll save marriage today. Break addictions. Break whatever hang-ups and hurts may exist. Break through that, Father God. Because we serve a God that is perfect. A God of restoration. And so I pray that you can be made whole again and go back into your communities and make a difference. Be a light in a world that can be dark. We pray all these things precious name, the name that saves Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.